Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by Underdog Fantasy's Director of Communications, Nick Rudman. You can find him and get in contact with him on Twitter at the Nick Rudman. So if you have any questions about Underdog Fantasy, about the Underdog Best Ball Championship, anything like that, uh, he is definitely the guy to reach out to. So Nick and I had a conversation about the transition from draft to Underdog, you know, how the website came about, what they're, you know, how they're currently feeling about the Underdog Best Ball Championship, how, you know, the fantasy sports business business during COVID-19, kind of how sports betting legalization has impacted fantasy sports, how it has impacted best ball and, you know, a lot of these other leagues and businesses. So I, I think that you guys will really enjoy this conversation, a look inside of the business of fantasy sports. If you want bonus episodes, bonus episodes of the show, you can find them on patreon.com slash takecast. And if you just want to support the show, you want to do something nice for us, uh, just go ahead and leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now let's go ahead and get into the show. All right, everyone, welcoming in Nick Rudman from Underdog Fantasy into the show. You guys maybe uh, have not heard of him, uh, but he is one of the big guys behind a platform that I am hoping to to do very well over the coming months and years. And we're going to have a, a pretty wide-ranging conversation about the fantasy sports industry. But Nick, why don't you go ahead and uh, and introduce yourself to the people? Well, what's up, guys? Uh, Nick Rudman. Uh, I'm director of communications, technically, uh, at Underdog. Um, but I like to think that my job is sort of just to make things fun in general, whether that's the product, uh, whether that's our social media, or even our support. Uh, I like to think if you get a response fast, that's better than waiting and pretty fun. Um, I was also a draft, as was a lot of our team, not everyone. You have to be very specific about that per the lawyers. Um, not everyone. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have everybody, but it's a lot of the same guys. And, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, let's let's uh, let's let's start there. So, so the draft sale happens, right? You guys sell uh, draft to. FanDuel kind of what was what was that time like at the office you know what was that decision like you know were you guys feeling like oh yeah that was the goal you know we did really want to sell to someone at some point or was like did that feel like a victory or was that like a you know it's kind of best for for everyone here right now what was that situation like um so it sort of coincides with when I joined draft uh I came to draft I think I was seventh or eighth guy there just doing support um, and that was right before the sale was about to happen. And, you know, it's a common misconception. We actually didn't sell to FanDuel. Um, okay. We, we sold to Betfair, Patty Power Betfair. Um, sort right. of thinking that 
we would blow up and maybe eventually be a sports book, get a huge marketing budget, yada, yada, yada. Um, gambling became legal sooner than I think everybody expected. And yeah, Betfair bought FanDuel. So we were sort of out in the cold a bit. Um, they tried to mush us into FanDuel. It went the way you've seen it go. Um, and that was that for draft. Um, so it wasn't in our plans. I think everyone is a little disappointed about how it all happened, but I can't speak for everybody. And we're just glad to sort of have a second chance at it with uh, a lot of the same team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I speak for a lot of people on my side of the aisle and saying like, draft was the best. And so we were very much hoping for something similar, right? We were, we were hoping for that void. And, you know, I, I think from, from my perspective, we're sitting here and we're looking at April, March, June, July. And we're like, look, man, people are, are, are playing league of legends, DFS. People are playing call of duty, DFS. People are drafting dynasty league fantasy football teams that they're not going to pay attention to uh, a year from now. And, and just being like, Oh man, we really wish that we could just be getting in the best ball drafts right now. Because I, I guess my opinion is that it was sort of like, just really bad timing, both from the FanDuel Betfair perspective of like, you know, obviously we couldn't have predicted this was happening, but then also from the draft side of being like, well, we couldn't see this happening either. Right. Yeah. It was, it was unfortunate timing all the way around, but it is what it is. Uh, we're glad to be an underdog. Uh, we think we can pick up sort of where we left off at draft. Uh, I think we've launched with, you know, pretty comparable, if not better product already. Um, but it's been, you know, it's been a fun ride over the years. I was saying earlier to you, I grew up with Jeremy, um, our founder at both, uh, draft and underdog. And I worked with Brandon, our CEO at underdog. He was one of the first guys at draft. He built the iOS app at draft and, uh, at underdog, of course. And we wanted to sort of create the same experience that I think Jeremy and I, and everybody else who loves fantasy grew up with. It's about the draft and that's always yes. been the fun part. It's social, you get your heart broken. And like part of my job at Underdog is like to try to create that same experience you had in your living room with your friends 20 years ago and let you have that as many times as you want it. So like even down to like something I'm really proud of that like we haven't really highlighted is just when you pick a player, the way it displays, it shows their position first and there's a mini pause before it shows their name because I want your heart to break when the name comes, if it's the guy you want. Like we need that shit moment that you have right. in the draft with your friends back. Yeah, I mean, so like the, the point you get at, which is just the genius of best ball in general, is the greatest part about fantasy sports is the draft, right? This is why DraftKings and FanDuel have been so successful. It's because people just like picking players. It's so fun to build lineups, to press enter, and, and then just wait to see what happens. And, you know, I play in a ton of these, uh, like FFPC, like the main event, and the Football Guys Players Championship and everything. And those leagues are a lot of fun. It's cool to do waivers, but by, like, week eight, I'm just like, man, why did I draft so many of these teams? Like, why on earth did I? Like, it is just a nightmare to be putting in all of these waiver claims. And and so I'm wondering if you have any insight to when Jeremy and his guys sort of realized that this product that had existed on, I, I don't know, have you ever played in one of these uh, My Fantasy League, uh, best ball leagues that existed? I know, you know? I, know them. I know what they look like. <clears throat> so 
I, I, that was when best ball really began. Right. And I, I drafted, you know, hundreds of these teams where it was self-contained 12 man leagues. Um, there weren't really 50 fifties, even it was really just, you know, top three places win, uh, and the, the, the payouts correspond from there. And, you know, the website is an eyesore. You're getting like text message alerts when you're on the clock or you have to go through your email. And I, what, what I have never heard the story of is how from the intermediary of someone seeing that idea on my fantasy league to turning that into the tournament format, which I think is, you know, really the future of anything in sports wagering, which is offering the greatest amount of payout possible. Yep. I mean, so it's that emotional aspect of a draft that I think you don't get with salary cap. And I, and I think a lot of yes. that has to do with the sole ownership of players. Like I've never been a DFS guy because my, the whole enjoyment I get, and I think a lot of other people get from fantasy is saying, I called it and like dunking on your friends and like feeling yeah. smart and validated. And I think you get that from the draft and, you know, with best, with drafts building best ball after daily drafts and doing tournaments, it's just how can we turn that feeling to a million? How can we put more on the line? How can you feel further validated? I want to know I drafted the best team in America. Um, so I think the tournaments were, you know, a natural sort of. Yeah, I, I definitely think, I think it is an even better format as uh, a tournament than it is. Like, uh, I also, I know some people really like the slow drafts. Like, what, which, which format do you prefer? Do you like the, the slow draft or the fast draft better? So we, we can play in, like, amongst ourselves but right yeah i've not done half as many drafts as you guys i mean i've done a ton of testing i'm a fast draft guy i yeah. need to be i need to lock in for one hour and soak it all in have my whole plan and because that's where i feel like i get the most catharsis like it's where i get my heart broken it's where i feel like a winner slow drafts it's definitely it makes a lot of sense if you want to do a million of them like you don't have time to sit in front of your computer all day or sit in front of your app all day and do a million fast drafts but it's definitely nice for high volume players or people that want to be in a hundred at once. You can do a hundred slow drafts at once. No problem. Yeah. So I, I think that the, um, I think that the experience of the fast draft is better. I, I think where the slow draft comes in is for the grinders. So, you know, the guys who are just like, look, I'm going to deposit $2,000. I'm going to grind through this deposit bonus. I'm going to enter in every three man, every six man, every 12 man. I'm going to get that deposit money. I'm going to be really diversified so that, uh, you know, if one guy tears his ACL or one guy opts out, uh, you know, my, my, my portfolio is not going to be screwed. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think the, the fast draft experience, like my, my buddies who are, not fantasy football grinders, you know, they just like to play fantasy sports. When I told them about underdog launching again, and they were like, oh, great, I'm going to go download this. Like the first thing they did was they got into a fast draft. You know, they're not trying to enter into the eight hour clock drafts at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and we love those users. Please come deposit $2,000 and grind your way through in slow, in slow drafts. Um, right. But I do think that even with a slow draft and even doing, you know, hundreds of drafts, that you still do have that emotional connection to players in a way that you really don't in salary cap, especially with ownership tools. I know right now we only have download CSV ownership. We will have in-app tools soon where you're sort of attached to your portfolio. Like if I have 30% Christian McCaffrey, like, okay, that's my guy. Um, yes. So I do think you get a similar experience doing a lot of slows than you do to even just one fast draft in terms of how attached you are to your guys. 
Yeah, that I mean that is true, and you know the more drafts you do, it is it is more about um is more about the portfolio. So kind of on the on the business side of things, uh, what was it like as you guys began developing Underdog in you know thinking about COVID nineteen? Like how like how did working remotely change the experience? Kind of what how did how did COVID nineteen impact the uh, the Underdog offices and the product? Uh, yeah, I mean it's obviously been a wild time for everybody, and. Yeah trying to launch a company through this has certainly been a challenge. Uh, it helps that it's a lot of the same team. Um, the only guy we have that wasn't a draft guy is our Android developer, Dom, who's been a rock star. We've been very lucky to find him. Um, so it's been, you know, we communicate well, we know each other well, we've stayed in touch, even like when we weren't all working together. Um, remote is fine. I think the challenge with COVID is the sports stuff. It's the making rules that make people feel safe that people feel fair about um, committing to not canceling anything based on no matter what happens. Like we have, yeah. we have rules in place that I'm very confident about that I think people have reacted well to. Um, they're pretty extensive. You can go and read them on the website. They're in the rules section, um, but we feel good. We think we have good COVID rules. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that the, the rules are pretty solid too. How did, so what was the, what was the process of like, well, where do we even begin? Because it's not like there's a precedent for this. Like when you when you go when you go read the rules for a fantasy sports contest, like it's not like there's a guarantee for like the plague in there, right? Or like locusts, right? right. So like you like you're you're literally starting from something that is unparalleled in sports history right now. Yeah, I think we sort of just started with like what would feel like total BS if it counted as a season. Like yeah. one week can't can't count like that's just yes. not that's not best ball um we settled on four weeks um just like looking at past seasons how some players performed like what felt like you got a real taste of who you drafted like when can you tell who's sort of good to like make a judgment on did this guy draft the best team um and we think four weeks plays um we'll see how it all goes i think I, i'm right i'm feeling okay about the NFL? I, I don't know. They need to figure it out. Obviously, they're watching the NBA dominate, and it's been so fun to have the NBA back and doing so well, and they're watching baseball be a mess, and they still have some time. So I hope – I have to think they figure something out to make things work, but we'll see. We're ready for this opt-out period to end. Um, we totally understand there's some hesitation. I think there is some edge in drafting during the pre-opt-out period. Like, if you think there's a guy maybe – he has his brother has. Yeah, that. if you look, if you have, uh, if you have some insight right now, like if you're if you're sitting there at home and you're like, oh man, you know, I know that. Here, I'll I'll give one away that has not been been public yet. But Tevin Coleman has newborn twins, or they're like they're like under the age of two, and they have like a rare blood disorder. Okay. So then you watch. Who's yeah. got the youngest babies? Who's got who's got babies? Who uh, who has a, uh, Matt Stafford's wife is a cancer survivor. Uh, Mark Andrews has type two diabetes. Like like little very small edges like that. Just like oh you know in the 18th round I'm gonna draft Nick Boyle or uh, you know I'm gonna move Kenny Galladay down my board three picks because I think there is a chance. Like I I agree with you. I think that uh, pre opt out period there is a little bit of an edge. Totally. Um... But we are, you know, we're happy from a fantasy and business perspective that the deadline is soon. I don't know how fair that is to the players. Uh, I'm always going to opt in the players' favor in terms of 
their grievances. They probably deserve more time to decide, but they're getting forced to decide pretty soon. Yeah, they, they and um, I have been largely uh, unimpressed with the way that the NFL has chosen to do their bargaining and uh, and their planning. You know, so so we're we're basically hearing like a week before training camp is going to start that you know the NFL has given no proposals on testing, no proposals on safety measures. You know, we're we're still hearing that they are you know talking about having fans in the stadium and it it does make you feel uh it makes you feel not very optimistic but then at the same time i i'm wondering if you had this same response do you think that baseball actually bungling stuff this hard this early is going to be more likely to make the nfl get something put together you would hope so like how can you watch what's happening with baseball and then just not plan around it like the nfl has had so much time they have an infinite amount of money. They've watched every league try to do this. They get to go last. There's no excuse to not get it right. And like, I don't, I obviously don't have the answers. I don't know if that means a bubble or like three different bubbles or whatever, but you've had all the time in the world and all the money. You've got to make it work. We need football. We, we need football. And I, I think, um, so I think that is one of the keys is most of us assumed that just the the absurd amount of money that the NFL stands to lose for the season not happening. I mean, like if the NFL doesn't happen, the amount of money lost is going to be more than the amount of money lost if foot, uh, if baseball, basketball, and hockey all had to cancel their seasons and not happen. Basically, like it 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 dwarfs everything. And you see in other areas in the world where the money was huge. You know, in Europe, they figured it out. Right? They're like, okay, English Premier League we are playing it out, right? We, we are just going to get this done because uh, there's just too much money at stake. There's too much TV. Uh, and, and even there, there's even the added financial pressure of like, you know, no salary caps. So these teams that lose the money are going to be on, on the hook for, for massive contracts. But I, I still, I, I feel cautiously optimistic, but overall like frightened, I think. I feel like it hasn't, one interesting angle with COVID and the NFL and the contracts that I feel like hasn't totally been talked about is, the financial incentives for certain players to sit out. Like if I'm CJ yeah. Bode and I am making, I don't know, he makes $15 million a year right now or something like that. Yeah. It's the most money he's ever going to make in one season. Why would he play if there's a chance the season is only 11 games long and then he gets what, 60% of his contract and he moves on a year in his deal? I would never, even if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm going to pay $30 million for this season. Why would I want to play in a season that could, go haywire and not just kick that 30 million down the road. So I, I guess for Russell Wilson, it makes sense because he'll, he'll make so much money later on. But if you're like an overpaid free agent, it seems odd to play in this season. Like I think you're heavily incentivized not to, but who knows? No, uh, there are so, and it's also different because of the way that certain contracts are built. So, you know, some contracts are really incentive laden. Some contracts have a huge signing bonus up front. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those situations where it was hard for the NFLPA to get everyone what they wanted, right, to get everyone a good deal. And, and my sense is what we will see is a lot of the guys who are on favorable opt-out contracts are actually going to opt out. And a lot of the guys who were like, you know, my agent or the NFLPA or whatever kind of left me between a rock and a hard place are just going to have to try and stick it out. I wonder if we get a big wave at the deadline tomorrow. Um, I don't know if we will. I really don't know. But it'll be interesting to see. 
one of the one of the things that I am expecting to happen, and if it does happen, I expect that there are going to be huge consequences. Is a quarterback is going to opt out? You know, that could, could be Kirk Cousins, could be Matt Stafford. Uh, you know, if those guys opt out, I expect that we are going to see a massive wave of opt outs. Whereas, I mean, you know, there was that report that that Nick Foles might opt out or whatever. You know, I, I don't think I don't think. I don't think that's going to end up being, I don't think that's going to end up being uh, a, a huge impact or, or anything, but my expectation would be that if a quarterback opts out, uh, all hell breaks loose more or less. Yeah. I mean, I'm a Patriots fan. I know I'm wearing a Bucks hat. They're, they're my second team now. Fire the cannon. Yeah, uh, there you go. But I thought, you know, Belichick being Belichick that when the Patriots got this insane wave of opt outs that, you know, I'm scrounging through the rules. Like there's gotta be an edge here can we please be cheating? Like this, this has to be good for the team. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Uh, and I think to your point about what happens if a quarterback opts out, I sort of think the Patriots got so many opt-outs because Hightower opted out and he's our leader. So like right. sees that and he's like, all right, Hightower's not going to play. Like I'm not going to play either. So if a quarterback does, it'll be interesting, but I still think maybe there is some kind of financial edge. The Patriots are pulling a fast one. Well, I would imagine that there is going to end up being, you know, some sort of salary cap relief in the future or draft pick compensation or something. Because if, if what ends up happening is some teams end up bearing the brunt of the opt out and some teams don't, my guess would be that, you know, whether it be Goodell's office, whether it be, you know, the owners who have more power than other owners, my, my guess would be there ends up being some kind of compensation as a result of that. You can roll that space over. So, like, the, I know the Patriots and the Jets both have something like $30 million in cash space right now and no one to spend it on besides Clowney, who I don't understand why he's not signed yet. He's good. Uh, I mean, you know, it could be a situation like why Cam Newton didn't sign for six months or whatever. Like, teams can't get him in the facility – uh, you know, may, I, like, I don't know. They're, they're just, they're, there have never been more question marks about an off season than there have been, uh, about this one, basically. I can't imagine Cam is thrilled to be on a $1 million deal right now. When we signed him, we had no cap space. Now we have $30 million. Well, you know, I mean, uh, if, if, well, first of all, you know, if Cam Newton ends up being Cam Newton, right? So the shoulder's fine. Uh, the, the foot is healed fine. He signed this one-year deal. It's not going to matter what the one-year contract was. He is going to be able to go out and, uh, you know, get a Brink truck, uh, a Brink's truck backed up to his house after the season. Do you, do you think that the Patriots uh, will reward that, that fine performance? Or, or are you one of these fans that think Belichick wants Trevor Lawrence? Uh, we're not tanking. We'll never tank. It's impossible I do think we would love Trevor Lawrence, but I, I don't think we're tanking. It's just, you know, Dante Stallworth, some other former players have talked about it. They said it's just not an option in Belichick's brain. He can't do it. Um, with Cam Newton, I mean, I'm extremely high on him. I mean, I don't know how much I know, but if he's healthy, why can't he be MVP? Like, the last time he was healthy, yeah. he was tremendous. Uh, do I think we'll pay him if he's great? I have no idea. Probably not. Uh I feel like Belichick is legit just seeking a challenge at this point and wants to win with like the biggest scrubs he can. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I love Cam. I've got my babushka scarf and hat in the mail. Uh, I am I'm ready for Cam. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I'm very ready for it too. So, so to transition, you know, a little bit back to, uh, to underdog at kind of that, at what point did, 
the uh, the team sort of get back together and everything like get, was this like two months worth of work was this six months work of work you know yeah. kind of where did uh, where did everything converge again so I think I think Jeremy had been pressuring our CEO Brandon before I even knew that this was an option um, I know I had talked to Jeremy about like can we start draft again like is there anything we can do like we all missed this so much and it was always no, 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 like a super long shot. And then he was pressuring Brandon. Uh, and I think we just sort of got a group email one day, a few of us with an eyeball emoji. And, you know, we had all talked like about that. We all wanted to do this at some point if it was possible. And it became possible. Um, we needed to raise some money. That was a hurdle at first. Um, we raised a little bit of money enough that we could like tell people you should maybe start thinking about quitting your job if you want to do this with us. Uh, my, my muse, my, my yin to my yang, David Gamboa, our marketing guy, uh, we were out in LA brainstorming the brand, coming up with the logo and stuff, and then it started to feel very real. And uh, how long were all of us working on this every day before we launched? Probably three months. We, we did this very fast. I mean, it helps that our developers are one, super talented, and two, have built a similar product before. Um, yeah, but we, had, we had to start from nothing. So it's amazing what they put together so quickly. Uh, I'm super proud of, of what they've done so fast. So yeah, it's probably three months uh, from nothing to launch. Yeah, well, I mean, that is for for those who work in the fantasy sports business, for those who work in uh, just like websites in general, you know, knowing how tech works, like on, you know, on my side, it's like building optimizers, working on projections, you know, Google sheets, holding everything together. Three months, uh, zero to 100 is, uh, I mean, that's crazy. Like, I mean, how long I I'm assuming from, uh, conception to launch for draft was at least twice that long, if not more. Yeah. I think far longer. I mean, years really like, I remember being in high school and Jeremy had started his first business star street and like, it's very different, but like, it's the same idea about owning players and getting financially tied to them. Um, So yeah, I mean, draft took forever. I remember him talking about draft being words with friends, but fantasy back in like, I don't know what, 2011. Yeah. Um, Which is, yeah. I mean, that is a a very interesting translation of, of the game, but yeah, I I mean, you know, I think was words fantasy um, words with friends but fan i mean that's a that's a million dollar idea that's why jeremy <laughs> makes the big bucks you know yeah, yeah it actually was worth more um so yeah it's been fun it's been fast uh definitely different the draft similar feel in our virtual office we hope to have a real office soon um but it, it's been a lot of fun so far and we're happy to see you know it, it means so much to us to see people say like oh i love draft so much like thank god there's a good basketball platform out there because you know, we all love fantasy and we want, like, even if we can't play there, we still want somewhere great to exist where you can go and draft. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that is something I thought that was missing for everyone. You know, there were some other best ball stuff out there. And what I guess one of the weird things is, you know, the big fantasy companies, uh, Yahoo, ESPN, and then, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel, they had to have seen that this vacancy existed and, you know, in my opinion, I, I actually think a, a giant miss for both DraftKings and FanDuel. DraftKings just launched theirs. FanDuel, as of this time we were recording, nothing nothing launched by them yet, which is just like a, an industry-wide LOL at, at this point. But, you know, I, I just, I think that 
you guys have the idea correct, which is just people just love to fucking draft. Like people just love to sit on their phone, you know, th- what have a movie on, watching a baseball game, whatever, and they just want to draft teams. Like that, they, it is just such a simple and pleasurable experience, you know. It really is, and it's not a math puzzle where you have no yeah. chance, like salary cap. And and I'm really not taking shots at the competition. I know people love those games. I just think that they're wildly different. And it's, it's not the experience you grew up with. It's not what makes fantasy football so fun, at least to everyone that grew up playing, I think. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. Doing a draft in front of a movie is just it's a good, it's a good way to spend your time. Uh, yeah, it, it is. And, you know, I think that the return of the tournament is great. I mean, how are you, how are you guys feeling right now on, you know, uh, on marketing, on – uh, you know, filling the the big tournament and everything from a business perspective. Or, I mean, if you if you're sweating it, you don't want to say it. That's fine. But like, but, if you if you are, like, yeah, what's it like? Well, nothing's off limits. I think in general, we're happy to discuss basically whatever um, the tournament. Uh, I think I sort of at least everyone has different opinions about it internally. I did not totally expect it to fill, just given when we launched. Um, we don't have a lot of time. Uh, we wanted to launch in June. Uh, there's a lot of hurdles in launching. If this is easy, everybody would do it. Uh, so it took us a little longer to launch than we wanted to. Uh, we are doing, I think, better than we expected, um, especially with limited marketing. Uh, we don't, you know, we're not flush with cash. We're not, we're not FanDuel, we're not DraftKings. Uh, marketing will, I think you'll probably see more marketing coming in the future. We have a few deals out there, um, but it's not a ton of marketing. It's a lot of word of mouth. Well, we were sort of relying a bit on the people who want to play best ball with their friends. Uh, yeah. They want to do drafts and they want a beautiful interface to do it on. I know there's other companies out there that have been offering best ball for the last six months. I don't think it's so sexy to play on them. They're just not, they're not, they don't look as nice as us. Um, no, it, it's, it's true. Out. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a grinder. I will do best balls everywhere. I will do drafts everywhere. And uh, my, my eyes are, my eyes are in pain. I mean, you know, I, I like the, I like the, the drafters platform. It's fine. But yeah, the, the, the thing that is best about underdog is it's just smooth. You're in the app, you're drafting it, 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 it's appealing to the eyes. It's very easy to enter the contest. It just, it, you know, it gives you the notifications properly. Like it is, it is just the most streamlined, um, drafting experience like i've already kind of been annoyed with the dk well i mean the most annoying thing if we just want to be real here about the dk app is i have i have on any given day between 600 and a thousand active lineups on DraftKings for right now because baseball basketball soccer uh and golf can all be happening on the exact same day so i want to get in the DraftKings app and go make my pick and I mean, I, I have the iPhone 11 Max Pro, right? I have the, the, the literal best cell phone you can have, and it still might take me a minute to get in to my app and go make my pick just because it's going to take DraftKings forever to load. And, and so oh, like, that, that's annoying, right? And that's a super niche problem. Yep. Like that's like a, a super – like most people are not going to give that feedback. That's like a super user problem, yep. but it's still annoying. Yeah, that is. That's interesting. I mean, design – and like how much fun and easy it is to use matters so much to me personally, because I mean, my goal, even at, at draft and at underdog has always been, can this be fun? Even if it wasn't for money, like, could you yes. just so involved and invested in your team? Because that's just like what drafting does to someone uh, that you would play for free. Like my, my fantasy season long fantasy league, I've been in for 
almost 20 years now with Jeremy and a few other guys, I'm pushing to do it for no money because it's not about money at all. It's just about being right and dunking on your friends and being better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would never, I would never play fantasy without money, but I, I agree. I, so like, um, and this is something that DraftKings has done. I, I was actually, I had never really thought about it until today. Um, not like, why do I play on DraftKings more than I play on FanDuel? Why do I keep most of my account balance there? Even though I actually know, like the games are tougher on DraftKings. There are better players there. Uh, my friends tell me all the time that the games are softer on FanDuel. Salary and cap. What's that? For salary cap, you think DraftKings is stiffer competition? Yeah, I think for salary cap, the the both in like the head-to-heads for soccer, and, which is the only sport I really play cash games in, and in uh, the tournament fields, I think universally everyone agrees the user base is sharper, better, more likely to be using projections, so on and so forth. And the reason why DraftKings has so much brand loyalty from me is, I mean, first of all, you know, I know some of their employees that goes a long way in creating, creating loyalty, but also they have gamified it so well, you know, so they have the missions, they have crowns and you can, you can trade the crowns in. And, you know, if you, if you don't complete your mission for a day, then you don't get your crowns, which are really just like a, it's like a three cent reward or whatever for, for entering in a, a $50 contest, but yeah. it feels like more and DraftKings marketing and that group has done so well in that, that they've created, you know, a lifelong loyal customer out of me, yeah. even though really it would benefit me more to play on FanDuel probably. Yeah. So that's sort of a little bit of what I was getting at. You want that crown, that crown's not worth a lot of money, but you want it. Cause it's cool. You, I, I, Oh yeah. You want the crowns. Yeah. So uh, I think you'll see some stuff like that from us in the future. We totally get that it's there are other ways to get excited and have fun with fantasy than just how much money can you win. Um, though obviously that's a big part of it. That's why we want to offer the biggest tournaments we can. Um, so I'm with you on gamification. I think gamification is fun. Uh, I would like to do a lot of it at Underdog. Yeah, so that that was kind of what I was getting to is, you know, if there was not exactly the DraftKings idea, but like uh, if you enter into uh, a baseball, a basketball, and a football draft today, you get a, you know, a ticket to our $3 best ball mania or whatever, you know, and, or, you know, uh, different like way back in the day in Daily Fantasy, there were like, user badges you could get that like you could only have on your profile if you had entered in x amount of contests or whatever and now the badges are all what's that who had that the badges that you get oh man this is this is gonna this is really gonna date me there was a site called daily joust where yeah where you would get they had all sorts of small gamification that was kind of the uh that was kind of the precursor of what they would end up doing at DraftKings, but I actually think that for a format where all you're doing is the the drafting and there's no late swap or anything like that, I actually think the the gamification on your format could be, I mean, you know, assuming more funding, more more VC money, more more angel rounds and everything, like I, I you guys could go crazy with it. Yeah, uh, we've talked a lot about it. I don't want to give it all away, but I think you'll see uh, you'll see some of that. Yeah. Uh, so also, again, while I have you here, uh, what is the what is the licensing looking like in Missouri? Because I I think I am li- literally in one of the two states where I I can't play underdog. I got to go drive down the road to Illinois when I want to go play. We don't have a timeline to Missouri. I wish we had a better answer. It's it won't be never. Like Washington State is. Uh, 
I'm not afraid to say we'll probably never play there until massive laws change. Yeah, until they change. Um, there's a few other states where it's like it's feasible, but it either is really challenging, really, or just doesn't make financial sense for us. Yeah, really expensive. Yeah, um, Missouri is not impossible. Um, that's about all I can say. It's it's not coming up. I don't think it's going to be before kickoff or anything. Um, but it's not impossible. Well, hey, I mean, we just elected a bunch of, uh, well, not, not technically, but we, 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 so just last night was our, like, uh, we had a, we primaried a bunch of longstanding Missouri politicians and they all got their asses kicked. All, all the people who have been in the Missouri state government for 30 years or whatever basically got voted out last night. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling very good about the future. Of- get in, um, for them, send in my absentee, my ballot. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, no, so the, I mean, the thing in Missouri is it's just very expensive to get the license here. Uh, it's not. It's not that it's illegal. It's yeah. not that they they don't want people to play fantasy sports here. It's just they they want their cut, which is uh, you know, the more I I'm learning, this is a very interesting thing about learning about sports betting legalization and fantasy sports legalizations. Very rarely do people oppose it on moral grounds. I actually I have not heard I have not heard one person ever say, well, you can't have best ball fantasy legal in the state of Washington because yeah. it's immoral. It's literally, it just all comes down to, well, we need our cut of, uh, you know, you got, you got it. I saw in Illinois today, they make, you have to go in person if you have the DraftKings app to like register in East St. Louis or something. Uh, why? Like, yeah. why would you make it so hard? Don't, I thought you, it's legal. It should be easy. Yeah. So, so let's say person listening to this podcast, you live in Chicago, you live in downtown Chicago. Uh, you, you work from home for a big uh, company in Chicago, wherever it may be. And you're like, you know what? I, I really want to go bet on the Chicago White Sox game. And your, your options are uh, you can log on to an illegal website offshore and it'll take you about two minutes to put your credit card information on there and put some money on there. Or you can drive uh, six hours to my neck of the woods. You can drive to St. Louis. You can go to East St. Louis to uh, the Queens Casino and you can go make an in-person account in order to be able to el- be eligible to, to bet online in the state of Illinois. Horrible. Horrible. I don't know why they make it so hard. So we're working. We, I mean, we hope to be in as many states as possible. I don't know when Missouri is going to happen. We've done everything on our end for Pennsylvania. So I know we get this question all the time. and I'm happy to answer it as many times as we get it. But we've done everything. Our paperwork is in. We've paid the checks, whatever. Um, they just are dragging their feet. I think, I think they told us, I hope I can say this. They told us they don't use email. So, the, like, so whatever. Like, they, like, the ga- like the gaming office in yeah. Pennsylvania? Yeah. They don't use email. Yeah. Um, That's incredible. It's I mean, that is, that is so, like, we are so far into the weeds on why this stuff takes so long, on why poker is illegal in the United States, yeah. on why state-by-state legislation for sports betting, uh, you know, takes so long, is it's, it's, it's truly incredible, right, to, to see that, a lot of the reasons for sports betting, for poker, for uh, for fantasy, you know, there's some sports, there's some, also, this is another thing that's so stupid. There are some sports for DFS that you can play not in that given state. So like college football, you right. can't play in every single state. And like, that is like, how would a legislator even know? How would someone in the legislator's office even know to make this specific thing illegal? Like, that's one that's never made sense to me. I'm like, how does this person even know to request this to be illegal? Yeah, I mean, all that said, the red tape, the feet dragging, the complaining, it's better than it used to be. I, I mean, yes. 
the draft was like barely alive for you know months or even maybe a year it was on, about to be dead just because we don't know if it's a game of skill or if it's gambling or if it's legal or what uh it turns out basketball is a game of skill which i'm sure you can attest to oh yeah very very much a game of skill and uh I, you know i had even forgotten uh these arguments so were you around in fantasy during the the boom and then you know the the crash of ethan gate uh i was i wasn't working in fantasy but i was close enough to the world just you know online and playing season long that i was around i know what happened uh i get all that i wasn't with draft i joined draft may 2017 like just a week before we got acquired by best there so that is to me one of the the biggest um what ifs is what happens to dfs what happens to sports betting what happens to online poker if that never happens right so either if no one ever notices that ethan was an employee that was playing on FanDuel while being an employee of DraftKings or uh i mean what ended up happening was is he he posted an article with ownership numbers that he shouldn't have had basically for there i mean there are some people who were not playing dfs in 2014 who don't even remember that but like kind of in a way that was daily fantasies black friday where states started to outlaw it legislators became aware of it you know because it was it was all over tv no one really had anything negative to say about daily fantasy sports up until that point and i i just have always wondered what direction do we go in if that never happens i think in I, I'm almost getting to a point where I see it as like a net positive, and then yeah. I think if we if it didn't get cleaned up, because um, like you know I don't think that's good. Like I don't think drafting employees should be playing. No, game. that was clearly a, a thing that should not have been happening. Yeah, like I don't think I should be able to play you know anywhere. Um, so I think it's probably a net positive. It certainly poisoned the water of the community to a certain extent. Like we've been fighting you know a draft and even early on an underdog just to get people to trust us it's huge and it's hard and I totally understand the skepticism and people are right to be distrustful. And that was weird. I'm not going to defend, you know, what happened there. Um, so I get it that people are distrustful, but I think in the end it's probably a good thing that it cleaned it up to get to a point where it is now so big. And, you know, I think pretty legit. I don't, I don't think cheating happens. I mean, I can't speak to those companies. I, I don't think cheating happens over there. Certainly. We didn't see it at draft. We get people like trying to dump money or steal credit cards and stuff like that. But it's also yeah. very hard to, our game is so different. There's no ownership. For, there's no ownership. In it, would be, it would be, I mean, the, the only way that you could cheat at draft or, or at underdog would be like one best ball championship fills and then you and 11 of your buddies all enter in and then, and then tank, right? Yeah, so like you just you can't do that we're gonna yeah, catch you to do that. exactly yeah there <laughs> there are ways there are ways to get like for the algorithm to capture that happening yeah. like if you draft a million quarterbacks in a best ball championship draft we're we're probably gonna have to cancel that draft like if yeah. someone 12 quarterbacks they're obviously not trying to win and then it makes an 11-man league so i don't it's not strictly outlined what would be you know cheating but we are very much keeping an eye on it and will not allow it yeah uh okay the last thing i i was i wanted to talk to you about was i was very surprised is i don't remember if i said something about it or if you said something about it to me but one of us tweeted something about lil peep this last week on twitter 
And we, we had a little bonding moment about that. And I just, one thing I was, I wanted to bring up at some point on the show is I want everyone who listens to this to watch everybody's everything on Netflix. It is, it is truly uh, just fantastic. Just even if you don't like rap music or, or SoundCloud rappers or whatever, it's like just this beautifully moving documentary. Oh, Werner Herzog. Like if you're a film guy, you should watch it. It's a, it's a great, it's a great documentary. I think you would ask what's your most listened to in quarantine. At that point, it was Lil Peep. I think two weeks later, it's now Taylor Swift, and I'm not sure. It's oh, close. it's so good, man. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, it I is. I think, you know, originally it was Cardigan and uh, Last Great American Dynasty, and now it's Invisible String. On Invisible String, yeah. So good. <laughs> good. Yeah, Peep yeah. Anderson, that documentary is great. It's not just... He's not just famous he's dead. If you don't know who he is, it's not just about him being dead. He's an amazing, amazing artist. Yeah, he was, um, he was this just very, like, beautiful, sensitive young dude who just had a lot of, um, I mean, I just find myself always attracted to these, like, tragic figures. You know, I've read all these books about Kurt Cobain and David Foster Wallace and everything, and I, I love Mac Miller, and I've, I've ingested all of his music. But, Pete, I mean, the fact that, a lot of the the art and stuff that is made about these, you know, other guys is very like, uh, maybe like refer uh, uh, reverential, right? Where it's like trying to build them up. And I I thought that everybody's everything was just a very honest look at like, you know, just a, a young person's life who ended way too early. And I I mean I just I think it's a story that is you know it's so much bigger than just about his music. Yeah, totally. Um, it was great. It was great. Do you buy? The conspiracies that his friends sort of intentionally killed him or let him die i don't know i just i think that if you know if anything his friends are just irresponsible young yeah. kids who just don't know any better and that yeah like i i don't think there was i think you know it was obviously very sad that that peep died but i think it was mostly just an accident i don't think it yeah, meant absolutely. to kill him but boy his friends whatever watch the documentary yeah, yeah not good not good friends i yeah i would encourage everyone to watch it um I would I would encourage everyone to listen to Taylor Swift's album Folklore. It's been uh, when I when I get done working for the day, I go I normally go to the the driving range for forty five minutes and go hit balls, and it's just like the perfect time for like me to drive there, go hit balls, and drive back. I can make it all the way through the album, and it's just been beautiful for like the last week. Perfect. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, all right, what do we what do we have to look forward to on Underdog? Do we have any special promotions? Do we have anything that people should be looking out for? Uh, we got updates and features coming very soon. A number of features that you guys have been asking for. I'm not going to spoil it all. Um, but if you follow us on Twitter, or if you follow me on Twitter, um, you'll see them soon. Uh, we're very excited. We think good stuff is coming. And maybe some new stuff in the lobby. Maybe relatively soon. Beautiful. All right, everyone. Uh, follow Nick on Twitter. At the Nick Rudman. Make sure to download the Underdog fantasy app and we'll be back soon build digital first customer relationships with salesforce digital 360 connect every marketing commerce and digital experience on a single platform innovate fast with easy to launch sites campaigns and apps that's more relationships more revenue more return and more success salesforce digital 360 hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360